Attention crew, this is your Captain Caliban speaking. This is a supplemental episode of Enterprising Individuals, where we bring you news and tidbits from the world of Trek, also interviews with special guests, and a few little surprises along the way. The surprise this week... We're taking a little trip to a galaxy far, far away. With the release of Solo, the 10th Star Wars feature next week, I figured we might take a chance to cross the neutral zone and talk a bit, just a bit, about how the other galaxy lives. Last week I spoke with Pete the Retailer of Star Wars Minute, and next week I've got another Star Wars guest coming on, so the time feels right to put the phasers and the blasters down and try to heal this world just a little bit. And I'll talk a little about how I became a Star Wars fan, we'll get into some of the differences between Trek and Wars, we'll talk about some of the latest projects in Star Wars. Later in the show, Ella Pearson of the Generations Geek and the Discoverage podcast stops by to give us the perspective of someone who grew up in the prequel era and didn't see Star Wars until she was 12. I know! Real talk. I dated a girl in college who had never seen Star Wars, any of the films. So, Empire Strikes Back was out in theaters, and I took her to it. Why do we start with Empire? Hey, it's the one that was out, and you're supposed to be able to watch these things without context. They're serials, right? So, we see Empire Strikes Back in all its remastered glory, the greatest space saga movie of all time. I'm dressed up like Han Solo, vest and all, and I ask her, now that your life has been irrevocably changed, now that a new exciting universe has been opened up to you, what'd you think? Her response, hmm, the little robot was cute. We broke up right then. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I drove her home first. But it taught me that, hey, people aren't always as super jazzed about the same stuff that you are, and that's okay. And sometimes it's cool to cross the line and check out what they're into as well. But don't get used to it. This is a Starfleet ship. We'll be headed back to the Alpha Quadrant as soon as we've surveyed this strange galaxy where all the planets are one biome. Fascinating. But until then, let's get underway. Punch it, Chewie. <laughs> But before we hit hyperspeed, there is a bit of Star Trek news that needs attention. There is a crazy war going on currently over the proposed merger of CBS and Viacom. CBS, of course, owns the TV rights and library of Star Trek on TV, and Viacom is the parent company of Paramount, which is the studio that has the rights to make Star Trek movies and owns the Star Trek movies. I don't understand any of this. It's extremely complicated, but I will do my best to try and tell you what's going on. A merger between CBS and Viacom has been brewing since January of this year, and I think has been in sort of talks or been thought about years before this as well. The two institutions are actually both owned by the same company called National Amusements, which is a theater and media holding company. I think they own uh, Showcase Cinemas, if you've got one of those near you. Now, CBS is, well, CBS TV, of course, which includes uh, CBS Sports, CBS Records, um, half of the CW network. They also own Showtime and Simon & Schuster, owner of the Star Trek book license. And Viacom is behind Paramount Pictures. 
also MTV, VH1, Comedy Central, um, a bunch of cable network brands. And they're already owned by the same company? <laughs> Again, I do not understand how this works. But anyway, Sherry Redstone, daughter of media mogul Sumner Redstone, and president of National and also the vice chair of both CBS and Viacom, wants to get these kids together. I think the rationale is, you know, well, consolidation is a big thing, but also CBS is doing great. Paramount has a lot of good properties like Star Trek, Transformers, uh, Mission Impossible, but they're struggling financially. So you get them with CBS and we'll have a ton of money to make World War Z too. Also, maybe, maybe the rift between the Trek films and the Trek shows might be healed. See, because they're owned by two different divisions of what is ultimately the same company, I still don't understand, um, they technically can't cross over. Uh, shared universes are a pretty big deal right now in media, and Trek is a long-standing property. So what if they did merge and we could have a Trek film and like a Trek spin-off show on TV, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but you know, better than that? That's what we could be looking at if they merge. I'm not convinced it's a great idea, but it is intriguing. Uh, fun fact, Viacom actually began as the syndication division of CBS, and it was spun off in the early 70s as Viacom because of FCC rules, uh, which kept TV networks from owning syndication companies. Ah, the days before deregulation. Remember those? Now, the effect on you was probably that when you watch a rerun of uh, The Cosby Show or Roseanne... Ah, the unproblematic days, remember those. Uh, you'd see a closing logo at the end with a zaggy lightning bolt and the wigga wigga sound, and then you'd hear the piercing tones of Mr. Movie Trailer Don LaFontaine. Viacom. I still wake up in the middle of the night hearing that. Well, CBS and Viacom were merged in 1999, and then they were split off again in 2006? Jeez, make up your mind. Well, Mrs. Redstone's mind is made up, and she wants them to merge again uh, against the wishes of CBS CEO, VIP, XYZ, Les Moonves, a name you'd probably know uh, has been mentioned on this show before, uh, and the board of CBS does not like this merger either. I think the idea is, uh, we're doing fine, uh, we don't want to take you on, thank you. Redstone, however, technically owns both companies, and she's got a 79% controlling stock interest, so that's that, right? No, it's not. CBS... And now we're really in I-don't-get-this territory, but just stick with me. CBS wants to issue stock dividends to its shareholders, which would in fact dilute Sherry Redstone's control from the 70s to the teens in terms of percentage, which means the investors, who are ostensibly on the same page as the board, can vote this merger down. However, Redstone has hiring and firing power, so she can replace board members with people who will just greenlight this thing all the way. Except she doesn't, because Moonves and CBS asked for a literal restraining order keeping her away from a board meeting to decide on the merger. Except the judge in this case denied CBS's request for the restraining order, which was to keep Redstone from replacing board members so they couldn't devalue her stock. I don't, I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but the future of this is anyone's guess. And it's all still happening. Still, as I record this, there's new developments. Um, I don't know, you might find this boring, but it's going to have a huge impact on Star Trek going forward. I'd compare it to the proposed uh, Marvel-Fox merger, or, I mean, the Disney-Fox merger. Um, you know, you're, you're paying attention to that because you want to see Tony Stark and Reed Richards argue about the negative zone, right? Well, that's kind of like the same thing here, except maybe we'll get, I don't know, Spock hanging out with Optimus Prime. Except Prime's giving him this weird look because Nimoy was the voice of Galvatron in Transformers the movie. You haven't seen Transformers the movie? Get in the car. I'm taking you home and breaking up with you. More on this as it develops. 
I've been a fan of Star Wars as long as I can remember. As long as I have memories, really. It was just always there. It was the, the wallpaper, sometimes literally, to my childhood. And this is before there was Transformers, G.I. Joe, Ghostbusters, Ben 10, Blue's Clues, Kalu, whatever. There weren't a lot of properties running around. If you were a kid, you'd like Star Wars. And if you were a girl, you had to play Leia. Sorry, girls. Um, we're, we're getting better with female characters. I was in elementary school in the early days of the video cassette recorder, and as all teachers know, got a sub, play a movie. Head on the curriculum, play a movie. Hungover, play a movie. I mean, now, as a teacher, you promptly just sit back and stop actively trying to get your kids to put fork knife down, but then you had a clunky, top-loading VCR, and you had a copy of Star Wars. Not A New Hope, Star Wars. So by the time I was 18, I had seen Star Wars at least 100 times. It was like indoctrination. I had no choice. And thank God, I may have mentioned on the program previously that I wasn't allowed to go to the movies when I was a kid. Not like, alone. One ticket for hell, Weasel, please. No, I mean like my family didn't go to movies. I don't know, we just didn't. So I found out that Vader was Luke's father by reading it in an Empire Strikes Back storybook. Uh, and by seeing it in class about 50 times. I mean, we still had the VCRs, of course. Fast forward a few years, I'm in college, the special editions are out, the prequels are coming out, I'm taking that girl to Empire Strikes Back, who, by the way, turned out fine, she went as Hoth Leia for Halloween a few years ago, so the force is balanced there. That was a magical time, Star Wars was coming out everywhere, no one was sick of it, because it was like, could you believe that this thing we all love, that honestly happened a while ago, is still going, and there's going to be new material from it. And you can go to Taco Bell, where they have 79-cent light tacos with low-fat sour cream, and you can sit and listen to the Star Wars score, which they're playing nonstop for some reason. Okay, it was a weird time, I guess. Weird time to weird sidebar. I got sucked into the Decipher CCG in those days. That's the collectible card game, and that, my friends, was a weird universe all its own. I wish that I had been a journalist back then, because I could have written a Vice.com-style expose about the seedy world of card and comic shops. I used to play Magic in high school because we all did, and apparently we all still do. That thing is still going strong. But I'd never heard of the Star Wars game. And this is not the Phantom Menace stupid flip card game that basically killed the Star Wars CCG. Screw that. See you in hell with your frozen tauntaun. No. This is the original Star Wars Decipher CCG. My roommate was a bigger Star Wars nerd than I was. Uh, he's also a huge Trek nerd, by the way. And he handed me a deck of cards like, I wanted you to have this now that you're older. And I totally got sucked in. I mean, as anybody who's played a CCG knows, it's all about the cards, like the cones. <laughs> and it means that it's all about the cash dollars, of course. Or the luck, if you've got it. Booster packs were the loot boxes of our day. You open up the pack... Hope I got some good stuff inside. And I had a hand like a divining rod. I don't know what it was. Stretching out with my feelings or what. But I could reach into a box of packs. Pay the guy at the register, of course. Peel it open. Bam. Foiled Dark Lord of the Sith card. Oh, another. I did tournaments, too. God help me. <laughs> I did a magic tournament one time in high school. And I was obliterated instantly by a nightmare deck. Some of the kids didn't even have their coats off as I was heading for my car. But now... I'm a grown-ass man, college student. Let's put the beat down on some kids. And they were kids. My first Star Wars CCG tourney, I'd say half the entrants were full-blown kids. Uh, like their dads are right there with orange slices. And the other half were old men. I mean, I mean, they're probably my age now, but I wouldn't go to a CCG tourney now without a kid in a bag of orange slices, you know? Anyway, I did pretty well. Uh, I steamrolled the kids. Yeah, just leave the lunch money on the table, Junior. 
And uh, I actually beat some of the adults pretty handily. Uh, my roommate was there. Of course, he was beaming proudly seeing his young Padawan succeed. But one obstacle stood in the way. There was one guy who was known colloquially as the master. Now, he was really old, maybe late 40s, full-on bald spot. He'd won every tournament they'd held. I mean, of course he had. He had an actual income to spend on cards, and he was up against children. But he was about to meet his match in me. Or was he? I was nervous. After all those kids that I curb-stomped, this guy was the real deal. During a break-and-play, my roommate and I, we went to Subway, because it was the 90s, and I remember being in shock. I kept saying, I can't do it, Ben, to nobody in particular. Could I, a novice, defeat a Jedi Master across three feet of vinyl? Uh, no. <laughs> in actuality, the, uh, the match never happened. In the first round, I faced off against another guy who was a few years away from his AARP card, and things went a bit off track. See, I was a new player, and the game, which had existed for several years at this point, had gone through a lot of evolutions as new cards came out and shifted the balance of power. In my naivety, I had assembled a deck that used an old strategy, an old strategy, but still valid, that most players didn't bother to protect against anymore. When this guy realized that he was about to get housed by a new player with an old trick, he got all huffy, and he drew all of his cards up into his hand, depleting his deck and basically committing suicide kind of like flipping the board over when you're losing at checkers. Since I technically got half a W for that match, I didn't get high enough in the bracket to face the Dark Lord of the card shop. Anticlimactic? Sure. But I got second place in the tournament, and I got the trophy for most sportsmanlike player, probably for not doing a touchdown dance in front of all those crying kids. My days of Star Wars cards may be over, but yours could just be beginning. There's enough Star Wars games these days to choke at Gundark, uh, did I do that right? And they can all be yours by going to Amazon.com, by clicking through the Amazon banner on EnterprisingIndividuals.com. Example, Star Wars The Card Game, well-titled by Fantasy Flight Games, a two-player competitive game very similar to the Decipher game of yore, featuring characters, aliens, and settings from the original series, original trilogy of Star Wars. Plus, there is expansions for all three films and tons of booster packs. The shaming of small children begins again for a new generation, I have a few friends who work at Fantasy Flight. They're, they're a great company. Uh, they make great, fun games, so check them out. I've got a link to some of their stuff in the show notes. Every time you click through Enterprising Individuals and make a purchase on Amazon, a little bit of the purchase goes to us here at the show at no extra cost to you and helps keep the kyber crystals in our lightsabers. Yeah, I think I have that right. I'm getting out of my depth. So click on our links or through our banner, bookmark it even, and shop away. May the commerce be with you. And maybe you're saying, what is this? I tuned into a Star Trek show. I don't have any room for Star Wars stuff. My storage space is chock-a-block with Eagle Moss ship replicas. They're fit together like a barrel of monkeys in there. To which I would say, barrel of monkeys, still a fun game, available on Amazon, click through the banner. But I would also say, okay, okay, Trek fan, put your money that you've evolved beyond where your mouth is and support the show by going to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash EISTpod. It's there that you can sign up to be a crew member for the show for a small monthly donation, and you can get access to our exclusive subscriber content, like our live shows, including our upcoming live show with Melinda Snodgrass at Convergence 2018 in July, and my DS9 rewatch recaps, plus our new episode commentaries debuting soon. You can get show merchandise and more. Just head to patreon.com forward slash EISTpod, and for as little as $1 a month, you will be a member of our crew. As always, anything you can contribute to the show will be appreciated and will help keep us flying. 
Thanks. You truly belong here with us among the clouds. I promised an interview with Ella Pearson about Star Wars versus Star Trek, and here it is. We talk about how we first got into Trek, the philosophies behind the two franchises, what the points of differentiation between them are. Uh, we talk about the new films, and what the hell, we talk a little Discovery Season 2 as well. Check it out. Well, Ella Pearson's on the program. She's the co-host of Generations Geek at generationsgeek.com, and she's the co-host of Discoverage, the live Star Trek Discovery recap show you can hear right here on this very network. Ella, what do you think about some of the things that we've learned about the new season of Discovery that's coming up? Um, <laughs> I think a lot of things. Um, I'm <laughs> way too excited. Um, I expect tears. <laughs> it's. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, good tears. Tears yes, of good, very joy good. <laughs> or tears of tragedy, but like an entertaining <laughs> tragedy. Yeah. Uh, I was excited, or at least I'm curious to hear about things like them casting a young uh, actor who will play will almost definitely be playing uh, Spock in flashbacks a young Spock yeah I'm I'm excited <laughs> probably mostly about Spock and almost nothing else Do you, oh, really? <laughs> that was a slight to the show <laughs> just um because Spock is my favorite character <laughs> yeah out of like anything ever so this is like a lot for me <laughs> do you think they'll pull the trigger on seeing an adult spock god i hope so <laughs> yeah i just, just need i need to see him and michael like interact on yeah yeah bad. <laughs> it seems like there'd be a good chance of that like top of your top of your head short list uh, who would you cast as spock oh my gosh besides zachary quinto yeah i have absolutely no idea i've thought i've thought about this before like if i had any input on the show like who i would suggest and i have zero clue at all but also i think my go-to actors are like tom hiddleston and benedict cumberbatch and i don't really think either <laughs> of them <laughs> would be right. quite right <laughs> yeah uh, one of those uh, probably out already because of playing John Harrison. Yeah, right, right. It's definitely not Ben, but probably yeah. not Tom either. Although Tom, that'd be amazing, though. Um, I don't think I've ever... Well, no, I've seen him with short hair somewhere, but he's just been Loki for so long. I just think about, like, a long-haired spot. I know. Everyone just thinks he's, like, greasy. <laughs> yeah, right. No, yeah, he does exactly. Stuff. He's it's a character. So it's a character. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's exciting. Um, I heard that Wilson Cruz and James Frain will both be back in some capacity, so that's I'm looking forward to that too. I'm yeah, I'm really excited. I'm also I'm gonna be um, abroad when the new season is airing, so that's gonna be like a whole other adventure. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, that might that might be advantageous because uh, presumably you can catch it on Netflix wherever you're gonna be. I God, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, get that international Netflix account. <laughs> Lots of stuff up in the air. <laughs> However, that works. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, let's do an awkward transition, cool? Yes. Uh, as you know, uh, the Discovery series takes a lot of design cues from the current Star Trek feature films, which are produced by J.J. Abrams, and another series that J.J. Abrams produces and writes and directs for is Star Wars. Hey, we got there. <laughs> uh, without getting too specific chronologically, let's say that I'm of a certain age that the original trilogy, the Ridge Tridge, is what I grew up on. <laughs> um, that's all there was. Uh, there was the droids and Ewoks cartoons, but it was basically just the big three. Whereas you, uh, being equally nonspecific, grew up in a time where the prequels were the Star Wars films <laughs> in theaters. Would you consider yourself a Star Wars fan? I, <laughs> I feel like 
this is a loaded question where people ask Ooh. me because I feel like Star Wars is like nerd royalty, right? And so sure. to say that I'm like not a fan of Star Wars is like insane <laughs> to me. Um, but comparing like when I say I'm a fan of Star Trek, for me then to also say I'm a fan of Star Wars, it's such a huge gap <laughs> because however much I love Star Wars, right? Like Star Trek is my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I love Star Wars. I, um, uh, maybe, maybe not <laughs> episodes one through three, you know, um, <laughs> or the last one, but in general, I love Star Wars, um, and the themes that they usually follow. Um, but yeah, so a fan, yes, but <laughs> I, well, I can see that. Yeah. It, it's interesting that you had said that Star Wars is royalty because I would tend to think of royalty as something that is exclusive. And it seems like everybody uh, is a Star Wars fan or everybody can be a Star Wars fan. And I don't want to like sanction um, or, or condone gatekeeping at all. I think anybody should be able to get into anything. Yeah. But it's almost like. Like Star Wars is like the hoi polloi thing to me, and I don't mean to use hoi polloi in a in a derogatory way, but it's like everybody can like it. Whereas Star Trek, it just seems like some special, some very special, uh, select few people go Star Trek. That's uh, that's what I get down with. That's my bag. That's my bag. Yeah, I <laughs> I have like so many feelings. Okay, um, so <laughs> I guess by royalty, what I mean is just like it's. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. Um, I feel like royalty is the best word to come close to how I feel. Um, well, there's princesses and, uh, yeah, literally and just like (laughs) symbolically. Um, but yeah, I think you're right that like everyone loves Star Wars and everyone's seen Star Wars, but, um, not everyone's seen like Star Trek. Um, I don't know. I just feel like I feel like people because people know that I'm a nerd, they expect me to like know everything about Star Wars. And so if I say like I'm a Star Wars fan, they'll ask me like these really complicated questions that I just don't have the answers to. <laughs> sure, sure. It's funny just thinking about it from a cultural perspective. I mean, certainly they've got the biggest I mean, if you just want to break it down to math, like Star yeah. Wars has like the biggest box office oh, yeah. selling tickets. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody knows who like Luke Skywalker and like Ray and Darth Vader is. But I think like the cultural elements of Star Trek are more um, like insidious, not insidious, but they're they're more uh, ingrained in the culture. Everybody knows we're gonna take this to warp speed, or you know, beam me up out of here, uh, or the Vulcan, you know, sign hand sign, or the neck pinch, or something mm-hmm. like that. I feel like whether or not somebody would consider themselves a Trekkie, uh, they probably wouldn't. Uh, they know about that kind of stuff. They know Captain Kirk, you know, going through the universe, kissing all the alien ladies and things <laughs> like that. Whereas if you think about Star Wars, people know like unless you're like reading all the books, you know, and you're, and you're editing on Wikipedia or whatever, you know, you know, lightsabers, you know, Darth Vader, you know, TIE fighters, but that's, that's probably like all, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's just because there's so much more material, um, you know, with Star Trek being, you know, 500 hours of episodes <laughs> or if it's possibly that it resonates more with our society, you know, and that sort of themes and that it's, uh, trying to attack. Okay. Did you see, um, what I don't remember his name. One of the Mythbusters got asked a question at a convention about whether, like, he was, you know, like somebody asked him, like, Star Wars versus Star Trek. I think it was, is it Adam? No. Was it one of the Ridge uh, Mythbusters that the, the orange one? <laughs> 
Um, yeah, Adam probably. I don't think Jamie talks to anybody, so it's probably Adam. <laughs> he actually worked on the um, on the prequels. Really? Yeah, doing uh, special effects and stuff. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> well, the effects were good. I mean, yeah, they, it, they were visually sure. Yeah, that, visual that's effects. Yeah. Probably <laughs> the only compliment I could give them. Um, yeah. But no, somebody asked him like Star Wars or Star Trek, and he said that he like right away he was like. Oh, Star Wars is better because um, it's much more like it's a much more realistic prediction of our future, whereas Star Trek is much too like obviously Gene Roddenberry like thought too high of us, I guess. Is oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and Does he I... know that Star Wars takes place in the past? <laughs> <laughs> Take that man's nerd card away. <laughs> I just I think about that. Um, every day. <laughs> um, that's so that's so fascinating to me because yeah. I, I don't think that Star Wars, and this is not a criticism of Star Wars, and in fact it can get into the differences uh, between them, which I want to talk about with you, but I don't even see Star Wars as reflecting our world in any real way. Um, unless it's George Lucas just heavy, heavy-handedly trying to push like a Iraq war parallel into like, the people's. <laughs> Like, cause they, it's fantasy. Do you know what I mean? It's space yeah. opera. Like it, it represents these archetypes and these ideas of fighting these evil things, but not really sticking around for the tough business of like civics mm-hmm. and uh, trying to figure out discrimination and things like that. Like people, droids are sentient. People own droids. And it's not like <laughs> there's a droid movement out there to like free the droids. I mean, I think, I don't know. I think what he means is that like a lot, more people relate to Star Wars in or like maybe not like a lot more people relate to Star Wars but Star Wars is relatable in a different way because you see um, I feel like you see so many more examples of like regular people just like feeling like they're just working every day to just like you know be okay and just live like Ray is like grinding and getting those like parts to sell and get her like dehydrated food and in star trek you know unless they're like helping some other planet they like go to the cafeteria and like hit a button um and so (laughs) like however many like fantastic themes and lessons you can learn from star trek um it's not quite the same as i guess seeing your struggles played out in a more like gritty way. Like I feel like star Wars feels much more like lived in and star Trek is kind of shiny. Um, yeah. Which isn't again, <laughs> I love star Trek and star Wars. I, I don't think that they should be pitted against each other because <laughs> they're entirely different, but you have to, like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm putting a blaster to your head. I'm making you do it. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I agree with that. I, I think that there's a value in both of them in seeing. Uh, I agree with you that, like, I think the conflict in Star Wars is much more simplistic. It's just yeah. there's an evil thing uh, and that we need to band together and fight against. And it's going to be really tough. But we are going to dig down inside of ourselves and we're going to also master a mystical energy force uh, <laughs> that binds the universe together. And we're going to beat that thing. And it's uplifting. And there's a lot of stories that, you know, not just Star Wars that are like that, that are great. Um, but I think the big difference or the critical difference is that it's like in, in Star Trek, in Star Wars, we're fighting against evil. In Star Trek, we're realizing what the evil is. And it's 
want and its hunger and its ignorance and its misunderstanding, uh, you know, the, the evil is often us. And, you know, often we, and even the places that we go to, if you look at the idea that, you know, the original idea for Star Trek um, for Roddenberry, like would be this sort of Gulliver's Travels type thing where we go to a place and it's all allegorical. And so they're blue-headed aliens who are dealing with a problem, but it reflects a problem that we have. Like it's all social commentary all the way down. And so Star Wars, at least until now, and then we can talk about what's going on. In like the, uh, <laughs> I'm ready to talk the, about it, believe me. In the new films, yeah. Uh, we can talk about what's going on, but Star Wars doesn't really ever try to broach that. It, it, instead of be getting specific about problems, it goes back to the monomyth. It goes back to the singular problem, which is dude must go out or girl uh, must go out and find the thing and to bring it back and to save you know, civilization as it is. Civilization's already saved in Trek, and we're like, well, how do we keep things together? Or what happens when we meet our neighbors and they're not, they don't have it as good as us? Like, there's this social responsibility for us. Like, how do we help them? Can we help them? It's like the, it's a liberal nightmare slash paradise. Yeah. That was all so eloquent. Um, I, <laughs> it's all written down. Yeah. I mean, all of that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like 100 percent agreed um yeah it's so hard people are so yeah. like divided yeah i know and that's well that's just i I don't know what that's all about <laughs> i mean i do i know that there there's just some caveman thing in us yeah if we're not on top then we're like, if one, we're not first one thing last, has to be better <laughs> to one quote with ricky bobby best. yeah right exactly yeah but I just think it's so weird that people get so uptight about it. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with any of the extended media of Star Wars, like um, books or uh, video games or like the cartoon or anything like that. Um, or the uh, show. Literally zero percent. Zero. Okay. Okay. Because I think that, um, and we, I just want to talk quick about um, your growing up yeah. um, with the prequels. I'm sorry, and. Uh, I know you probably had a little help seeing as your dad, Scott Pearson, is a sci-fi author and like an epic level geek. So I'm, I'm guessing he helped introduce you to geeky stuff. Yeah. I, here's the surprising part about Star Wars is that I didn't watch um, A New Hope until I was like 12. <laughs> okay. Right. Which um, maybe even 13, which is like <laughs> shocking for people <laughs> that I meet, like truly just earth shaking. Um, right. right. But I feel like a lot of it was just that, like, I wanted to watch Star Trek all day, every day. I wanted to watch Lord <laughs> of the Rings all day, every day. I just had so much sure. other stuff that I loved so much. And I, like, it for whatever reason, which is, you know, strange, I just never got around to it. Um, yeah. So it doesn't, like, really feel so much like I grew up with the prequels. I've, I mean, I've definitely, like, I went to um, the premiere of... Um, a Force Awakens. Um, yeah. So I was yeah. there for that. And I went to the premiere of A Last Jedi, unfortunately, or The Last Jedi, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I watched episode four, like I said, when I was like 12. Um, and then I think I watched it, um, you know, like one or two more times. And I watched episode five at like a friend's house once, I think. But then I didn't actually watch all of them until like very shortly before um Force Awakens came out because I was like, okay, like it's time to buckle down. This is insane. Yeah. yeah <laughs> um, sure. And I watched episode one through six, like in that order all over again, um, like the week before okay. um, 
episode seven premiered. And I, first of all, didn't think the prequels, um, didn't think that uh, what everyone says about the prequels was going to be entirely true. Thought we were exaggerating. (laughs) We weren't. Uh, So that was fun. Um, I don't know. When A Force Awakens came out, it felt a lot like every single, and you said not to be specific, but I'm going to be a little specific, that, like, oh, every, like, millennial and every, like, Gen Z kid were, like, super into it, and everyone else was just, like, either, like, yeah, that was good, or, like, really hated it. <laughs> yeah, or, like, it's just Star Wars. It's just a new yeah. hope over yeah. again. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I really loved that movie, <laughs> and I know, I know yeah, it's... Yeah, I liked it a lot, Yeah, too. it's just, I know that... But now, now I'm on blast because I liked it because The Last Jedi came in and it's going to tear it all down. See, what you wanted was just the same thing over again. (laughs) Well, you're not going to get that. It's all different now. Oh, okay. Can we talk about The Last Jedi now? Please, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay. The nihilism (laughs) in The Last Jedi, not without getting into anything problematic with um you know like (laughs) Raylo or (laughs) just Kylo in general um (laughs) and I don't know if this is like universal um but I feel like so many things that appeal to me in Star Wars is that like I don't know like at first Luke is just like he's just some kid you know (laughs) um and then in episode seven Ray's just some like orphan in theory right and it's right and i feel like this is a really common theme but it's nice i don't know this sounds so like simple but it's nice when you're like you it's like the underdog like you're watching somebody who's nobody and then it's like they are someone or like um ray being you know like tragically abandoned by her parents um yeah not only is super compelling but makes so much more sense if she was potentially in danger because of who she was and who her parents were. Um, And so for The Last Jedi to come out and be like, by the way, um, like, uh, your childhood heroes don't matter. Obviously not my childhood heroes, but um, your, like, (laughs) sci-fi heroes don't matter. And um, obviously Rey is nobody. She doesn't matter, except for she does matter seeming like a lot because Kylo wants her to be on his side so bad, but right, um, right. So, uh, yeah, I just it felt so disconnected from everything else for me that it, yeah, I really, I really did not like it. And I, st- you know, I can't like talk about Star Wars in the same like depth that I can about like Star Trek or like other things, um, just because. Yeah. It's never been like my special thing. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that it's, you know, and of course, you know, we're not hurting the movie at all. It's like ninety-one percent on Rotten yeah, Tomatoes, which so is it's fine. Interesting. But I think what hurts, what hurts for me is to see. I don't want to see somebody set out to do something and like fail. Yeah. And fall on their face at yeah. doing that. And clearly, like it entertained a lot of people. It made a lot of money, so it succeeded there. But its entire goal. And all the interviews, the director and everybody else, they wanted to flip the script like 100% and turn everything around. And all they did was just make 
Empire Strikes Back again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like it's like that's what they did with Force Awakens. People kind of complained about that. So like we're going to flip the script, and they just did the exact same yeah. thing. And in that way, you well. So the thing is, is like all right. So you've got Ray. She thinks that she's special, or she hopes she is. If you're going to disabuse her of that, that part that comes in the middle. That comes at like the middle or the end of the second act. Exactly. And then we've got the rest of the movie where she builds herself up and she finds out that it doesn't matter and that sort of thing. But if you look at Empire Strikes Back, he finds out that he's, spoiler alert for a 40-year-old movie, that he's <laughs> Darth Vader's son. It comes, you know, at that very late date. Uh, so he doesn't have a chance to really do anything with that information. Uh, and then it's put off until the third film to, I don't know, some people like, I like Jedi. I guess a lot of people don't like uh, Return of the Jedi, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if they really did want to follow that thing they're talking about, which is kill the past, forget about that, become somebody else, then why are you sticking with the same framework of Empire Strikes Back? Like it should have, we should have got, she does so little in that film. Like she doesn't even have the realizations about the force and gets to make the kind of choices that Luke does in Empire. She's just kind of around, you know, she's just kind of hanging around. Yeah. Well, and like, obviously representation of failure is good, is fantastic as long as that person gets to keep going and keep trying right Right. because like you're talking about snoke right that's what you're talking about Snoke. (laughs) (laughs) absolutely who else are we talking about (laughs) it's just it's so i mean look all these things are made by committee i mean that's just the way it is these days and that's fine but it's just so when it's so clear that you've got a new boss who doesn't like the old boss's stuff yeah. And just throws it out. <laughs> it's just, I don't like when I, especially when I watch an epic fantasy. Like I want to feel like this is all comes from golden scrolls, you know, from on high. Exactly. Like yeah, this is you want to feel like you're really experiencing. Yeah, and I don't, something. I don't want your office politics to come through <laughs> this space fantasy. You know, it's just like I don't care about Snoke. He's dead. <laughs> so anyway, somehow this turned into a Last Jedi ran, and it wasn't really supposed to. I mean, have, it it was going to. <laughs> well, I suppose it was always going to. Do you have a favorite Star Wars character? I don't know. I mean, probably Leia. Um, love a classic Carrie Fisher. Love Carrie Fisher. Um, I also love Rey, but I don't think, at least I know I won't, and I don't think anybody else is really ever going to love Rey or Daisy Ridley the same way that everyone loved Leia and Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Um... Which is a little melancholy, but yeah, okay. She was she and Leia are both fantastic, powerful ladies, and um, so that's a lot to <laughs> compare yeah. yourself to. Yeah, it's good. It's what's well, bittersweet, maybe. I mean, it's good yeah. and bad because Leia was so singular, and I think that we have made some progress to the point where, you know, if Ray was the only sort of heroic space fantasy female character you could look up to, um, she would be very singular. Uh, now she is one of many. So I think that's a really good thing. But yeah, she'll never be that iconic Carrie Fisher in that role. Yeah, exactly. Like her, like, uh, as much as I love Ray, like her, you know, like three buns are never going to be like <laughs> <Yeah>. Leia's buns. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, yeah, it's just... It's that bun escalation. It's, like, it's royalty. <laughs> so much to live up to. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Are you looking forward to Solo? Um, we'll see. I'm a little, I feel like it's so hard. Like, I'm so, I feel so sorry for that actor who has to (laughs) try to play a young Harrison Ford. Yeah, Yeah. 
Like, and there's parts in the trailer where I'm like, okay, he's nailing it. Like, it seems like he's he's doing a young Harrison Ford, but he's also being himself, and, like, he's being, he's just being Han Solo, and so I have, like, a lot of hope um, for him. I don't have tickets to the premiere. <laughs> right. But, um, I think that he could do a very good job. I do, most of my worry is just that um, Harrison Ford is, like, an institution in and of himself. <laughs> yeah. It's a big shoes so, to fill. Yeah. Yeah, like, to have to try to play, even though, like, when Harrison Ford was playing Han Solo, I'm sure he didn't think that it was ever going to be no, anything. Like this. No, he was stoned out of his mind. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. He would feel somehow so iconic and yeah. just like phoning it in <laughs> yeah. that I don't like. I, I can't believe that just any actor they find is going to be able to like be as good. I don't know. I'm I am excited though. I think um I think what they're doing with the franchise is really good. Um, I love spinoffs when they're done right um i love finding out everything i can about a universe it's fantastic like everything that's going on with harry potter um but yeah i just hope that the film itself is a little more solid than the last jedi yeah and which and we haven't even talked about rogue one um i feel bad for uh for him because it's like it's such a bad position to find yourself in especially yeah. if you are um a young actor who's just kind of coming up because I don't good or bad. I don't know anything about him. Like I didn't see beautiful creatures or, you know, whatever else he's been in. No, I, have, I don't even know his name. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know if he's like a good actor or not, but whether he is or not, it's, it's nobody who is young and, and is coming up should be subjected to this kind of thing. I guess, you know, yeah. you take the part of playing Han Solo. Uh, yeah. Like Ford. you're not going to say no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, Fifty percent of you know yeah. the first world is gonna hate you. <laughs> and I was, th yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was thinking about it. You know, he doesn't even have to really be that good. Like yeah. we are, we just talked about how Harrison Ford was just like yeah. walking around. And so, if all the other elements are there, like he's the—I know he's an antihero, but he's like the square-jawed hero. Yeah. That's usually the boring character. Like everybody else is like, "Ooh, this flamboyant Lando," or "Who's this crazy uh, <laughs> droid?" or whatever. Like he'll he'll be fine. Yeah, I, <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. I really can't put my finger on what makes, like, Harrison Ford so special. Like, his, like, because I wouldn't say that he has, like, a presence. Like, Ian McKellen has, like, a presence. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, I mean, he didn't, like, he, <laughs> he wasn't trying that hard <laughs> in episode four. <laughs> that's um, what it is. That's being, that's cool. You know, the effort. You think that he just, because Harrison wasn't trying hard and because Han is such a, it, like, <laughs> you know, just, like, cool, like, effortlessly cool that it just played into each other and he was fine? <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah. That and pointing <laughs> his finger at people a lot. I'm, oh, I'm interested in uh, Donald Glover as Lando because we were talking about being cool and I mean, Billy Dee Williams is like the coolest cat around. <laughs> and then I haven't seen the film yet, but you see uh, Donald Glover and it looks like, I don't know, he's young too. So maybe it's like Lando trying really hard to be cool, but he is so naturally cool that it's still cool. But he's like got the huge coat and he's got robots yeah. pouring him drinks. And this is kind of <laughs> like Lando in high school. He's like, hey, yeah, super cool. Later on, he learns like, no, you don't have to. Colt 45, you know, works every time. Like, yeah. he eases back a little bit, so. Yeah, I'm talk I'm talking a little bit later on. I'm talking myself into wanting to see this movie now. <laughs> so I guess that's I, a good thing. I have probably, like, 100% more faith in Donald Glover than I have in <laughs> well, yeah. the dude playing on Solo, which is sad, but I just, 
Donald Glover, like his, he's just apparently good at everything he does. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought before um, his uh, new video came out and, yeah. <laughs> you know, like went crazy viral um, and just proved even more that he just um, somehow like does what he wants and it's just always amazing and he doesn't even he doesn't have that air of somebody like he's he doesn't have the air of like Beyonce or like somebody who is like bestowing like their work upon you and they know exactly what's going on it just seems like like, he's just like you know what we should do and then he does it and he does he just does that weird dance on top of the car and it's somehow fantastic right yeah so I yeah I (laughs) I'm excited for him as Lando yeah me too well, I was trying. I was starting to say a while ago, but I wanted to reiterate that. I mean, if people haven't read um, some of the great Star Wars books out there, and there are a lot, um, they are by uh, great sci-fi authors like your dad and people who write Star Trek books. In fact, a lot of people have written both Star Wars and Star Trek books, and I think that's where they try to fill in the cracks of the universe, where it isn't just let's shoot the thing at the big thing so it blows up. It's yeah. more what happens next or how do we run this planet or there's there's problems over here, there's problems over there. Like how do we run this you know, republic or whatever it is? So that, that stuff exists. It's just more on the margins, whereas uh, it's the parsley, whereas in Trek, that's like the main dish. Yeah. Well, and I can, I, I'm, whenever I talk to anybody about any kind of novelization or like spinoff book, I'm like, read the book like the things that you're mad about in the movie are the things that the author got to fix because the authors (laughs) are us they're just good at writing (laughs) right exactly so they fix all of the problems for us Yeah, read the book Um, exactly yeah and i've read like snippets here and there and um i had a lot of friends in high school who were huge star wars nerds and they've read all the books um and so i've heard lots of glowing reviews so yeah i know that there's some crazy good um novels out there but yeah i haven't i haven't gotten to it <laughs> yeah. but i also i haven't read enough star trek novels either so <laughs> I'm, I'm just around <laughs> <laughs> i'm just in college we're getting there there's, there's plenty of time <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely well thanks for stopping by today what's coming up in the future for generations geek oof um our website launch like we talked about last time still yeah. um you know uh, you know how it goes making a new website Gotta love it. Um, so we're still working on that. That's going to be really cool. I'm very excited. Um, I hope to be more active on the Instagram once the website goes up, um, which is at Generations Geek, like always. Yeah, I don't know. We have, uh, I think, a new episode up as of last week that ended up being pretty late because of other other complicated podcast things. Um but yeah, it's uh we don't have anything super specific planned right now other than finishing our um long awaited aliens yes. <laughs> series. Yes. Um but that's always super fun. Uh yeah, so people can tune in for the alien stuff and then um is it it's aliens versus predator, right? Uh are you gonna you're gonna do those? Oh I think we have to. Okay. <laughs> See, this is I've enjoyed the uh, the Alien and the Alien show, but now you're getting into the weeds, and these are the shows that I really want to hear you guys talk about. Yeah, uh, Resurrection and uh, talk about uh, Prometheus and Covenant. And if you're going to do AVP, yeah, I'm I'm there for that for sure. Which I yeah I haven't even seen I haven't seen the fourth one. I haven't seen I haven't even I haven't seen Predator. Oh, no, you haven't. haven't s- okay, all right. Aliens. Well, are, yeah, so you're it's, in for it's, a treat. 
<laughs> I've heard. <laughs> so yeah, it's going to be, that's going to be exciting. And then, um, you know, whatever we decide to do after that, <laughs> we'll announce on those shows so people can find out when they tune in. Well, uh, thanks for joining me. This is now a Star Trek show again. <laughs> As it should be. And speaking of which, um, we'll definitely be back for the second season of Star Trek Discovery to do our live recap shows, Star Trek Discoverage, which is coming uh, soon, hopefully <laughs> 2019, I guess. I'm, I think I think they're going to they're going to be on time this time. They're yeah. they're ready. They've got a handle on it. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, they have yeah, much sure. more of a handle than we do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, look out for that, listeners. And thanks again, Ella, for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks again to Ella for being on the show. I'll remind you again, listener, that you can find Generations Geek on Instagram, on Twitter at at Generations Geek, and on the web at GenerationsGeek.com or at ChronicRift.com. Ella is on Twitter at at Gondor Gold. Remember, listeners, you can tweet to us or message the show. Maybe have your comment read on the air. Just go to facebook.com forward slash EISTpod or find us at at EISTpod on Twitter or through our social media links on enterprisingindividuals.com. You can also reach the show at EISTpod at gmail.com with feedback and suggestions or to just say hello. We're waiting to receive your transmission. And that's it for this supplemental episode of Enterprising Individuals. It's been fun to see how the other galaxy lives for a while, but we will return to our regularly scheduled intellectual property universe next week. Although I may have a little review of that new art film, Solo, a Star Wars story, on our next supplemental show, I've got a okay feeling about this. In the meantime, if you're an Apple Podcast listener and you haven't yet, why not look us up on Apple Podcasts and make sure that you're subscribed to the show. Also, write us a little review if the spirit moves you and give us a rating at the very least. We'd appreciate it. If you're not an Apple Podcast listener, you can still subscribe to the show on Google Play or Stitcher or wherever you get our show from. And if you leave positive comments and ratings and reviews on those platforms as well, we'd be eternally grateful. Next week on Enterprising Individuals. Jean-Luc Picard is a man of many talents, but he's particularly good at two things. Arguing in court and wheedling divine beings. Often simultaneously. But this time, his oratory skills will be put to the test, defending a planet, his ship, and his soul from the devil. New York Times bestselling author John Jackson Miller returns to the show next week to talk about an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation that's one part in Hair of the Wind, one part Looney Tunes, with a dash of Picard's pajamas. It's Devil's Due, next time on Enterprising Individuals. And until then, I'm your Captain Caliban, signing off and saying, live long and prosper. Yeah.